Hello mamas and welcome to Bump to Mum. I am your host Emma and I am very excited this week to be bringing you episode 4 with Sarah who is a postpartum doula. This chat is one of those ones where I was just sitting there nodding my head, had heaps of aha moments. Um, you know, before having a baby, I didn't really even know what a postpartum doula was. So this was a, a learning experience for me. And I think the, the services that Sarah offers would just be incredible for any new mum or, you know, a mother further along in her journey who's wanting some support. Sarah and I also chat through her own motherhood experience and what that has looked like, what she's learned and what she's also learned from all her years experience supporting families as they change and bring little people into the world. So let's get into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it Um, and if you could rate and review, if you do, that would be absolutely fantastic. Hey Sarah, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. I would love you to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself um, and your family. Sure. So my name is Sarah and I'm based in Tauranga in the Bay of Plenty. Um, I have a partner called Ricky and he is a tradie. And I also have two children. I have Jackson, who is nearly 22, and then Sailor, who is four. Um, so yeah, a, quite a large eighteen-year age gap between the two of them. Yeah, how does that kind of go with the dynamic of the family? Um, so the short version, um, <laughs> I had Jackson. <laughs> I had Jackson when I was nineteen, um, and I was a single mum. And mm-hmm. fast forward to that, um, I've also been previously married, um, but we didn't have any children of our own. We had foster children. So I've had five foster children um, within my marriage, my first marriage. Uh, and mm. then I met Ricky again. Ricky was actually my best friend when I was in high school. And um, nothing ever happened with us, but um Yeah, we lost touch when he moved over to the Bay and 16 years later, he um, found me on Facebook and we started hanging out and cutting a really long story short, within six months I was pregnant and living in the Bay and yeah, that was nearly six years ago. Oh, that is so cool. What a lovely like story to kind of, you know, be childhood friends and then have all that time and life apart and then to kind of reconnect again that's so cool it's amazing and um ricky was actually at jackson's birth um but as my friend and he was friends with jackson's father so yeah talk about funny times on christmas day with um baby daddies (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean at least you all know each other and get along right (laughs) yep for sure absolutely absolutely Cool. And hey, I'd love you to tell the listeners a bit about what you do, that your work as well, because I know I heard of you through my antenatal group, you came and spoke, and it was the first time I'd really heard of what a doula is or, you know, what sort of support is available as, as a new mum. So I'd love to sh- you to share it with, with what, what you do with your business. So um, I think it, first of all, it was, it's really important to be clear that there's different types of, of a doula. So you can have mm. a birth doula who walks with you through your pregnancy and then is there for your birth. Um, this mm. is a really popular model overseas because of the um, they don't have the same midwifery model as we do here in New Zealand. So having a ah. person that is an advocate for you and your 
needs and wants, um, particularly overseas, um, America, even Australia, um, the UK. It's, it's quite a popular model there. And it's just becoming more popular, more popular here as people decide who they want to support them within their booth. So I'm not a booth doula. I don't work in that space. Um, I'm a postpartum doula, so I work with family. Ideally, I've met them um, in the antenatal period purely so we can start building a relationship because that's pivotal. If we don't have that, then, you know, we don't have trust. And then it's really, really hard to sort of establish any sort of like educational grounds or like learning support if you don't have um, that as a background. Mm. Um, Yeah, so I guess my background originally is in education. I was a teacher for 12 years and um, I, my, the, the dream was always to be a midwife but as, as I said earlier I had Jackson when I was 19 and I was a single mum so that wasn't the, the path for me at that time but it's always mm-hmm. been in the back of my mind. Um, so uh, I decided to um, after my marriage ended I would go back down the coast um, down past the Portuguese and that's where my um, love of working for the community um, was reignited again, where I was working for Whakatoya Iwi um, mm. and did training within being a trauma-informed practitioner um, and some counselling papers. Um, also, obviously, that's where I um, re-met Ricky again um, and finding out that we were having a baby of our own um, sort of ignited that passion for me and I I come from a family where um, we just naturally look after each other when one of us has had a baby I've got a lot of cousins um, we're all we're all breeders Um, so (laughs) when someone has a baby we go to that that whanau's place and and look after them so to be fair um, I was a little naive and I thought that's what happened with with every whanau and that People would sort of rally around them and they had a village on tap as such. Um, but, yeah, moving – my family um, isn't in Tauranga. I have a sister here in Tauranga. Um, mm. But just it was just became so, so obvious to me that people didn't have a village. Um, yeah. So when Sailor was really small, I started my um, postpartum professional qualification um, and alongside that, I've done lots of different smaller qualifications, including things like first aid, um, mm-hmm. which is, is super important. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of where the business started. It was my midwife, um, Zoe, who I now actually work alongside, um, who encouraged me to to start this off as a business. Um, when you've only ever worked for the government or an iwi, um, it was quite you know, there was a lot of learning curves to be had, but yeah, yeah we got there in the end. Um, yeah, so I'm a postpartum doula, but there's also something that's um, becoming more and more prevalent, and that's an end of life doula. Um, all of us yeah. do the same sort of thing, as in we're a guide and a mentor and advisor and an expert in our specific area, but um, birth and death actually have a lot of similarities. Um, yeah. I think when you give birth and when you're close to passing, that veil is the thinnest it's ever going to be. And to Mm. have people walking beside you with knowledge and wisdom just to teach you, teach you the steps as you go along. Um, Yeah. So that's, 
sort of a, a bit about what a doula is and yeah. um yeah so i i i walk along new families with new families as they transition to be a new family and whatever that that is so yeah there's lots of different facets to it yeah so what you know when you're working with a family what are the sort of things that you would I guess support them with and I can appreciate it's probably so different family to family but what are some of the common common things that you'll help them with um so some big themes that I've, I've just pulled actually because I'm a nerd I, I try and act cool but I'm really not cool at all um <laughs> some things that I've pulled out from my own data over the last couple of years um that have sort of cropped up again and again birth trauma has been um a really big one uh working through birth trauma after the fact and um understanding what that is um people mm-hmm. often think that birth trauma needs to mean like um, postpartum hemorrhage, baby nearly passing away. Um, yeah, it, it, trauma, if it was traumatic for you, then it was trauma. Mm. And I think um, that's really important to acknowledge. So people don't think that their, their birth was traumatic enough to warrant that. But if it's bringing up feelings of trauma, then it was traumatic. Um, so I've developed a little bit of a system on how I work through that that's sort of tailored to each family that I work with. Um, yeah. The other thing would be the adjustment to all aspects of new parenthood. Um, I've got whānau that I work with who have never changed a baby snappy, um, mm. who aren't sure what to put baby in to sleep, um, are unsure about awake windows or that sleep cycles are 45 minutes or how often to feed a baby or how do you know when they're full, how to birth a baby. Just mm. can be as simple as that, those basics. Um, mm. Grief, sometimes we um, talk about grief, and I don't just mean grief in the sense of when someone's passed away, more um, grief of um, the person you were, the life that you had. Um, yeah. Becoming a new parent can be really romanticised. Um, you think that it's going to be all glowy and um, neutral tones um, mm. <laughs> that, um, that like you'd see on Instagram. Um, yeah. But in reality there is like a massive transition that comes with becoming a new parent. Um, And alongside that also can come um, conflict within your relationship. And I'm talking about your primary relationship um, Mm. with your partner and things that you, that hadn't become issues before issues of resentment or um, emotional labor and domestic labor suddenly are brought to the forefront and you're like this has never been an issue before why are we clashing now um what's the deal there does this mean our relationship's doomed and it it Mm. absolutely isn't the case at all but um yeah there is lots of different ways to navigate through that um i refer a lot to experts um i'm a big Mm. believer that if it's out of my scope i don't pretend to know that are what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. Doulas are not medical professionals, and mm. I think that's really important to note. Um, we are not doctors. We're not nurses. Um, yes, we might have first aid certification and, and different mm. qualifications, but, but the majority of us are not medical professionals. We're health professionals, um, but not medical professionals. So I think it's really important that we don't give... Um, medical advice or you know I'm not an osteopath I'm not a Mm -hmm. um, chiropractor you know all of those sort of things um 
I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist, so I'm very keen to always refer on if I think it goes above my skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, strategies for managing anxiety, uh, postpartum depression, postpartum depletion is something that's coming up more and more as we learn more knowledge around it. Um, mm, yeah. I think I've seen I, that and I was like, oh, okay. so that's like another thing that's different to the postpartum depression. It's a whole new thing in itself, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, basically, when you have a baby, your body is completely wiped with nutrients. It goes mm. into a deficit um, and then compounds with breastfeeding. Um, so even though breastfeeding is amazing and wonderful, it does deplete your body. Um, so mm. it's not just about looking at right nutrition. It's looking about what supports do you have around you? Um, what other things can you give up that you don't need? Um, what What is it that fills your soul? Um, mm. And, you know, um, also just, just not being a martyr. After yeah. there's the birthing person, we think, you know, this is the path I've chosen. I've chosen to have a baby, so this is path for the course. And, it, and it's just not. And quite often postnatal depletion won't be picked up until um, a year postpartum so you've got got that um capacity then that you're like okay I actually need to deal with something like uh, this isn't just newborn baby sleep deprivation I actually feel like a zombie um so putting a plan in place around that um understanding cues like your baby's cues rather than clock watching or um you know just waiting for a exact awake window um Mm. i'm I'm a big fan of um deleting apps like that um i don't find i don't find it's very helpful i think you'd then tend to get almost obsessed with how often and how long your baby's sleeping for yeah um connecting with your baby uh it's so easy to get distracted by our phones or Netflix or jobs that are going around with us, uh, sorry, going around us. Um, but just learning to be in the present mm. is is something that's so important. And, and the postpartum is a, is a slow season. And for a lot of us, we've got really good at our, our lives and our jobs and learning to slow down is really, really tough. Yeah. Um, I'm just sitting here nodding my head at everything <laughs> you're saying. It's so true. Um, just to jump in, I remember me and my husband sat down on New Year's Eve because we obviously weren't going out and we wrote down the peak and pit of our year and I wrote the peak was obviously Louis joining our family. It's the best thing that's ever happened to us. But my pit was actually saying goodbye to like my old life and I didn't realise that would be such a um, – you know, such a big thing for me, but it, it kind of was. If I think about one really sad thing that happened to me this year, it was like, oh, yeah, that, you know, I had to say goodbye to that former life. And, like, I love mm-hmm. my new life, but it's still very sad to say, hey, that's it's not going to be like that again. Absolutely. Um, and it, it, I don't think people recognise it enough. I had a woman this morning and she was talking about just being so grateful for her two babies Yet mourning the friendships that she had and the freedom that she mm. had to be able to just do what she wanted. And she had quite a um, a high up sort of management, management position and she loved the feeling that that gave her. She put, um, for, for, and using the term ego in a positive sense, she tied up a lot of her ego and her mm. worth within her, her job, her career and her friends and 
you know, just just letting that go and um, settling into that season of new parenthood is really tough, and mm. it's not spoken about enough. Um, it, it is a big deal. It is a really big deal. Definitely. Like, I don't think I've really heard people speaking about it, and then I, you know, you start going through it, and you're like, am I the only one? feeling this way because I haven't really heard people talk about it but you know it's it's nice to know that's that's something you actually work with a lot so it's obviously a a quite a common feeling for new parents yeah absolutely yeah and I remember sorry and I'll let you continue on with sort of the services you offer as well so you there's like the, the sleep support and you know tuning into your baby and you know recognizing their cues I also remember when you um spoke at my antenatal group you said sometimes it's you'll just cook meals for families as well like that sort of support yep absolutely so with um with every private client every visit I bring a frozen meal and baking um which it just seems silly, but I guess I guess part of it is it's part of it is my love language. Um, mm-hmm. And my nan would roll over in her grave if she saw me turn up to someone's house who's just had a baby without a meal. So I think it's partially conditioning. Um, but yeah. that was just cult- culturally what we did um, yeah. and what we do. Um, but I just know it's really helpful. And, and quite often when we get talking and like really into the zone of a session it can get quite heavy and I don't just mean Mm. like depressive heavy but you know we're talking about um you know very stuff where I've got to ask you some vulnerable questions and you make yourself vulnerable and that that in itself is quite exhausting and afterwards Mm. sometimes sometimes you just want to marinate in what we've talked about Mm. and just process and so just knowing that there's dinner on the bench defrosting that's going to have so much good nutrition in it and it's it's tasty as I'm I'm blowing smoke up my own ass here but I'm a really good cook (laughs) we've Um, had some practice as well by the sounds of all the meals you make (laughs) absolutely um and so yeah my freezer I've we've got a separate freezer We've even like we've just finished building a house and we've built, built a room for the my big freezer um, that's got all labelled meals in it with different dietary requirements um, for the whanau that I go visit. That's within um, yeah my private um, consultant work because um, I also work for Mama Maya, which is okay. our Bay of Plenty um, free lactation consultancy support and mm. I am the mother order which is the mental health practitioner oh, so okay. I go and do home visits with women um, who just need a little bit of extra help and support um, mm. it's, it's completely separate to my business but it also you know it's very much linked as well because it's it's a similar sort of contact uh, content sorry um, but yeah so I, that's how I divide up my time is half of my week is um, working with private clients and the other half of the week is working with my mum and my clients. And so is it just a newborn period that you're generally supporting families or is it, can it continue all the way through those, those early years and on? Oh, absolutely. So I'd say the majority of my work is usually newborn and potentially up to one year, but mm. with um, whanau who are, going back into like say generational trauma or birth say they're revisiting birth trauma of their first baby and maybe they're happy with their second you know mm. like babies could be of any age um I probably work more with 
the family than I do with the actual baby when it gets yep. past that newborn stage um, and more within that processing space. Um, and, you know, if, it, if it's generational stuff, sometimes um, like postpartum depletion, often babies one, two, three, um, before they've had the time and the capacity and perhaps even the, like the financial resources to be able to mm-hmm. actually invest back into themselves. Mm-hmm. So, that, yeah. because yeah, that's the thing as well, right? Like obviously, I mean, the, the, the services you provide sound absolutely incredible and I wish every mother could have that or every family could have that. But obviously there's a cost as well and, you know, if you're not working, sometimes it's not necessarily the best time to be spending that sort of money, but I guess you've got to weigh it up and some mothers might decide once they return to work or fathers that now's the time to get some help. Absolutely. And I think mm. the mindset is changing that we we need to, of course, we plan antenatally and we pr- plan for our birth, but we need to plan more for the post po- postpartum. Mm-hmm. And um, some people ask, instead of a baby shower, if people all chip in and will pay for a postpartum doula. I've probably had that about five times where the woman's had no baby shower gifts because they didn't need anything, but everyone's sort of passed around the the hat for want of a better term and have paid for me or I think that's the best idea ever yeah <laughs> after it's hearing about so what practical. you do yeah it's so practical it's so useful yeah. and then the the whanau can choose how and when they want to use um my my services um mm. it's brilliant and particularly um I think it's one of those um things that if you know you know um mm. You know, you, you think you see really cute booties in a store or, you know, like baby shoes or a cute little dress with frills or buttons. God forbid buttons. And you're like, that is so cute. But it's not till you actually have the baby. You're like, I'm never putting my kid in that. It is going in. Everything must have two-way zips. Yeah. And, you know, like you, my baby's not going to wear shoes, let alone buttons. Oh, my but God. Yeah. yeah, the shoes thing cracks me up because I bought shoes for Louis, but I'm like, I don't think he, like, every now and then I'll put some shoes on him. But I'm like, there's actually no point. Half the time he's just wearing socks or a onesie with the feet because, you know, when he doesn't stand on his feet, why has he got shoes on? They're just annoying and he gets hot. (laughs) Exactly. What is he going to do, like, go for a 10K run? Like, (laughs) is he planning on that? Like, it just always makes me laugh how people spend money on shoes. But we get, you know, it's another way that... um. You know, things get marketed to us. Mm. I, I call the the wedding tax the white tax, and I call anything related to a baby the pink tax. You know, this will be the answer. This will help your baby sleep, or this will um, completely solve all your mental health issues. There isn't a quick fix, and I think I think that's something that people need to make peace with. That um, mm-hmm. there's no real quick way to get your baby into a routine or to get your baby sleeping longer than 45 minutes like when you understand what biological sleep needs are and you know mm-hmm. that every baby is so unique and so different that they eventually do sort of fall into their own pattern and way mm-hmm. of doing things and um if you if you keep trying to to push them into a certain way they they're likely are not going to do it because it doesn't fit in naturally with them and we've just got to roll and evolve with our our little babies rather than trying to fit into some sort of mold that just our our culture the western culture has has invented to make money it's consumerism at its finest 
Yeah, and it's so hard, isn't it, I think, as well. Like for me, who is someone who's such a, always been such a planner and, and known what's happening next and what I'm going to be doing and what time of day that's going to happen. And then when you have a baby, that just is completely thrown out the window, like completely. And you have to be led by them. And it means that you can't plan really. Like I think it's just, and it's hard to let go of that as well, especially when you have lived your life a certain way for so long. And then all of a sudden you can't do that anymore. And that as well is just such an adjustment. Absolutely. And there's so much power in surrender and mm. surrendering to um, what is actually going on. And as soon as you surrender, you actually get a bit of power back because mm. you're not fighting. You're not fighting this small little potato who is dictating everything to you. I often think as well, I'm like, oh, Louis got really overwhelmed in that situation. Um and then I'm like, well, if that was me, I would be overwhelmed too. And I probably wouldn't like that. So it's like, why am I expecting different of him than I would of myself? Like it was Christmas Day, for example, and there was all of a sudden lots of adults in the room and they were all going and garring over Louis because he's the only baby in the family. And he got really shy. And it was the first time I'd seen him be shy. Um, but then I thought about it and I was like, well, even in that situation, I was like, whoa, this is a lot. Like this is, there's a lot of people here right now. So it's like, why did I seem surprised of his reaction? Yeah, totally. I always imagine like put yourself in that baby's position you're lying down. So you're vulnerable anyway. And Mm. there's all these strange faces and smells and noises are all coming from these randoms that you don't know who they are and you're trying to focus like on one of them, but all of them are talking at the same time. It's, it's actually like something out of a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, so oh, <laughs> I love the idea of pulling together to get, you know, your services and support for a new mum because I think as well when you're, before you've had a baby, you don't, like you say, you don't know how much support you're going to need postpartum. So you kind of think you don't, need it you think it'll just be a month and then you'll be sweet but it's like actually now that I've had a baby I'm like that's what I would have I would have loved that you know Mm -hmm. I had lots of family support but it's still it's different to have someone like yourself who's so in touch with you know babies at the moment because you know in your family we had amazing support but it's been 30 years since say my mum had a baby or um it's just slightly slightly different support, I think, as well. And being external to the family, I can imagine sometimes would also help. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so you, are, you, you sort of become a part of the family eventually because mm. you do bond, but you're removed. So mm. I can still be quite not – some people might say bossy, um, um, but I, of course I'm not bossy, but I can be quite firm <laughs> around what, like, suggestions that I'm making – um, mm. and it's not people don't really take it personally because I'm not their sister mm-hmm. or I'm, I'm not their mum and I mm-hmm. might be saying something that's quite similar to what their sister or their mum said but because it's coming from me and I can sort of give my rationale as to why I'm saying that it all mm-hmm. clicks into place oh I'm yeah saying. I can, can totally see that yes. um, and so what would you say then to someone who's got a friend or a family member about to have a baby? What are your top tips for supporting a mum and dad or, you know, mum and mum, you know, whatever the situation is um, mm-hmm. with that, that postpartum period? Make meals. 100% make meals <laughs> yeah. would be my top one. Um, 
I always, I, I can't remember if I said it to your antenatal group or not, but I always say in the first 12 weeks, there's um, no visitors, only staff. Yes, you um, did. And I love that. Yes. Yeah. So best advice. <laughs> it's such a good way to view things that people, when they're coming over, they're coming over for a purpose. Um, they're making a meal or, you know, some of the other things that I've suggested are looking outside of the baby. So not assuming because you're going to come around that you're going to get to hold the baby because mm. everybody loves holding a baby. I get it. They are delicious. But what <sighs> else do they need help with? Do they have older children that maybe a run around the park could be really, really good or even a little mm. gift for the, the, um, the toddler? Do they have a dog? Does it need regular walking? You know, just taking something else off their plate that they need mm-hmm. um, rather, rather than looking, rather than just expecting to hold the baby, um, mm. getting groceries or a meal box delivered. Game mm. changer. Um, also, I think honing in on that school of um, listening without giving advice. Mm. Sometimes you just need to have a vent. And as wahine, we very much process as we talk. And something that I've um, had to work out quite quickly with my partner is he says at the start of a conversation, are you looking for answers? Like, are you looking for solutions or do you just want to be heard? And mm. so we set the tone quite quickly. And I'll, I'll often say that to a client, do you want solutions or do you need to be heard? Mm. And sometimes you just need to be heard for someone to just vent and like get it all off their chest. And then like, cool, are, are we done? Yep. Good. And we move on to something else. But sometimes they are looking for solutions. And sometimes with Ricky, I'll be like, no, I I need some solutions in this one. So I think Mm. you listen with different ears, if you know what I mean. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I actually saw a funny thing on Instagram the other day, and it was like a mum saying, oh, you know, I'm so exhausted. I haven't slept, blah, blah, blah. And then the person responded saying, yeah, but enjoy the newborn cuddles. They're only little for so long. And then the response was, I said I was tired, not that I hate my baby. And it's so true. Like sometimes it's so you true. just need a vent. You're not complaining. Well, you are complaining, but like you just, you don't want someone to say that in that moment. You just want them to be like, yeah, it is really hard. I th- and I'd say that's toxic positivity. Yeah. It doesn't have to be all roses all the time. Yeah, Yes, you've mm. chosen to have a baby. Yes, it's tough. But you're very entitled to say that it's tough. Everybody's hard is hard. And mm. I, I say that to mums of all walks of life. I have mums that have been through IVF and in their minds, um, especially in that vulnerable newborn um, stage, they're like, well, I've paid for my baby. I should be grateful. And I'm like, you still have every right as say someone like me who slipped and fell and was pregnant, um, <laughs> oops, um, no, you've got every right to complain that, and say that your heart is hard because it's mm. true. No one, no one can take away, um, you know, your right to say something's hard just because you've had to go through IVF. That's, that's hard too. It's really mm. tough. But often oh. if there's money involved, people think that they're not allowed to we're not entitled to, to moan that they're finding things tough, which hurts my I heart. Also, yeah, I also feel like as well people, when they're speaking about having their baby or like struggling through their pregnancy or struggling through their postpartum, they say, oh, but, you know, I was so lucky to be able to have a baby and there's so many people out there that can't have a baby. And it's like you feel like you have to say that after you've complained. Mm, um, you never have to quantify your feelings. Yeah. They just 
they're alone, they stand alone and mm. that is enough. You, you don't mm. have to quantify it. Yeah, so true. So what would be some tips out there for new parents around, you know, prioritising their well-being and making some time for themselves in that in those early days that 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 postpartum period what what would you recommend if someone was starting to struggle with any of the things that we've talked about today um i think a couple of things antenatally will be telling you sending a message out to all visit um or potential visitors that they need to check in with your partner if it's an appropriate time to visit so people don't mm-hmm. just pop in um yeah communicating your needs like no one is a mind reader like I just it just I come across it so much where they're like can't they see that I'm getting so stressed or I'm getting really overwhelmed by this and that and people don't they just don't Mm -hmm. see it so you you've got to be able to communicate what your needs are um and again I think I said earlier don't be a martyr you're not going to get a prize for being the tightest mum or having the crappest day of food um you know no one's no Mm. one's going to give you a couple or a certificate um the other thing would be letting your partner and anyone else that's significant in your village to find their own way of doing things Mm. Um, we can be terrible um as the birth givers to be maternal gatekeepers um because we we are good and it's, it is more and built in us the the bigger mm. better faster way of doing things but you've got to enable whoever's in your village particularly your partner to find their way of doing things so I'm literally just sitting here nodding my head being like oh my God. <laughs> this is such good. and and you know what as well I always this is what I would like to do with you know people around me that have babies and friends and family is I would quite often I had a people ask me, like, what could we bring you or how can we help? But after Louis was born, I was kind of so tired and a bit kind of in that in that flight and fight mode that I mm-hmm. couldn't actually think about what it was that I needed in that moment. And it, I should have done it before he arrived, thought of all these things that people could bring me or help with so that when I was so tired, I didn't have to think about it and you could just send them a list um, and say, these are all the things that would be great. <laughs> And that's exactly what I do. If I meet a family and work with them antenatally, I give them a list of exactly what you're saying, things that can yeah. help in the postpartum. So, yeah. yeah, just they literally get sent a list and then if someone asks, they flip off that list. This is yeah. These are the things that we need. And then, then that person who's wanting to give something um, feels empowered that, okay, this is really going to help. It's yeah. not just a, um, yeah like a bunch of flowers you, like, and flowers might be your jam. You might go like that's I love getting flowers and it's so wonderful. But, you know, if you've got seven bouquets of flowers and <laughs> you're really allergic to them, that, that's not ideal. <laughs> that's not so ideal. So true. Yeah, it, it is. And like it was, you know, we got in our swing eventually and like we had dogs. So it was, you know, Luke's mum would come over and take the dogs and, you know, half the time she didn't even see us or Louie and she would just come before we knew it, the dogs were whisked away and they were out on the walk and that was her thing. And like my mum had her thing that she helped us with and they loved doing it. They wanted to do something, but it just took me some time to realise what that was I wanted help with. Um, And when they're feeding so often when they're little, it's like as much as I would have loved to say, 
take the baby for however many hours, he was probably going to need a feed. So I couldn't really go too far either. And that was yes. something I hadn't realised. Yes, totally. It's not like you can plan, okay, at 2 p.m. I'm going to go get a massage because yeah. Lord knows what's going to be happening at 2 p.m. Yeah, um, exactly. It might not be possible, but there's other forms of, of self-care and almost getting it in small increments. So if you think about it in 15-minute increments, what could I do mm. for 15 minutes that would is going to stop me walking into the sea fully clothed? Um, but you know what I mean. <laughs> like, but putting your feet on the ground, um, grounding is so important, feeling the soil underneath you, Putting on a podcast that's completely unrelated to babies, like true crime, it um, just any something comedy that is just going to make you laugh. Like if we, we used, we're from Papamoa um, originally, and mm. so we've only just moved into Central Tauranga. But um, as soon as Ricky would get home from work, I pretty much rugby past him, sailor, and <laughs> grabbed my headphones, and I just went for a twenty-minute walk on the beach. Um, listening to a true crime podcast and that put mm. enough in my tank so that I could do you know the the bath bedtime dinner routine without yeah. going postal at anybody yeah um, and quite, even now Ricky's like where are your headphones at mate if I'm getting flustered now and he just knows that if I'm just getting overwhelmed I need to get out of the house and that's like his cue without him me biting his head off it's like where are your headphones mate and that's yeah. me going, oh, yeah, okay, okay, I'm being a psycho, cool. Right. I need to remove myself from the situation. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And as mums, we're always saying, I don't have time, I don't have time. But if we make 15 minutes, it can actually make the next four hours okay rather than trying to force it for four hours. Oh, my goodness, so true. I remember having an afternoon so clearly where I think Louis would have been about six weeks old and he was just having one of those afternoons where he just wanted to feed and feed and feed and he wasn't happy doing anything else. And I was, I remember Luke was working from home that day and I just said to him, you need to finish work earlier, so you need to be done around like 3.30, o'clock and I'm, I'm just going to, and I remember I handed him Louis and I just took the keys and I was like, I'm going for a drive. And I hopped mm -hmm. in the car and then about five minutes I I was just I went to the supermarket and I had a text from Luke once I arrived being like, We love you. Take your time <laughs> when you're ready, come back. Because at this point he was like, Is she going for a night? Is she going for a day? Like, is she going for five minutes? He had no idea where I was going. So I just handed him Louie and left. Um, but all I wanted to do was walk around the supermarket aimlessly. And I think I left with like magnums chips wine chocolate so the essentials <laughs> yeah the yeah. essentials and yeah. then I was yeah. sweet I was yep. sweet once I got back um but I just needed that very mundane trip to the supermarket to kind of reset myself um yeah Absolutely. so it's funny isn't it and it's just like the simplest thing but going to the supermarket was my like my savior that day <laughs> Yep, totally. And it's a strategy I use with my mums and I call it three potatoes. Some days you just need to go out of the house and go get three potatoes. You might not need three potatoes, but go get three potatoes. And for them, they, they, I've seen them and they've got a bag and it's got three potatoes in it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I know what kind of a day you've had. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's such a good one. Um. Now, I, I know you're, you're the kind of, you spoke about this again at the antenatal group and I just thought it was so good, but your tips for settling newborns, could you t take us through those? Yep. So 
I always say like for the first 12 weeks, don't plan anything. Don't plan mm. anything major. Um, actually like cross it out in your calendar so that nothing big gets planned in that time. Because um, mm. it is Groundhog Day. And at first, you know, like the adrenaline rush is still there. You just had a baby. They're so rad. They're so cute. Look at their fingers. Look at their toes. Holy heck, we made this. But then that finishes. Um, yeah. And I would just say to keep everything as simple as possible and keep it boring and mm. lower your expectations. So if you had expectations around sleep, um, lower them. Uh, if you had expectations around um, what your postpartum was going to look like, as in the aesthetics of it, lower it, lower them. Um, follow the five S's. So like the simple ways to, to mimic the womb, again, by swaddling your baby, settling them on their side, using sucking, um, so that can be a dummy or your little finger, swaying side to side. Um, and because babies love movement, they've been in your puku mm. for so long, they're so used mm. to movement. Um, and then we suddenly try to like just keep them really, really still. It's like, no, they, they like movement. And that, that shushing sound, so obviously it can be done with your mouth, um, mm. or white noise machine or an alarm clock that's slightly on static. If you have an old iPhone, chuck it on aeroplane mode and put it on YouTube, 12 hours white noise. Um, you know, just ha babies like noise. We, mm. we always think that they like things quiet, but inside the womb it's about the same, same sort of noise as a vacuum cleaner. So it's quite noisy. Um, mm. Yeah, but following those five S's, doing everything on demand. So your body is like learning how to breastfeed. Your baby's learning to breastfeed. Your baby hasn't learned, hasn't known hunger before. It hasn't known a change in temperature before. It hasn't known different lights before. So everything's new. It'll be like me plucking you and chucking you in the ocean and saying, you live here now. You know, mm. you take a little while to adjust to that and think about where am I going to get my food from? Hmm, how am I going to do mm. this? How am I going to do that? It's a completely different environment. So, yeah. again, lower your expectations. Um, expect baby to sleep on you a lot because mm -hmm. you are their home um, and, it, and it feels so good for them. And I'd really encourage loads of skin to skin. Yeah. Mum and dad. Um, or mum and partner, like whoever is, is living within that home, skin to skin is amazing. And mm. in regard to breastfeeding, learning to breastfeed is really, really tricky. Um, and so you just flag all your breastfeeding tops for the first little while and have no top on. It is so much mm. easier to learn how to breastfeed when you're topless rather than faffing oh around God. with clips and buttons and mm. material. Ah. Oh. I wish I had done that because half the time I was, you know, my top was off anyway because you're just feeding so much. But yeah. it is so annoying trying to pull a top up and then it gets, you know, if it starts moving and it gets in their way and yes, ah, do it topless. Yeah. yeah, and if you're not comfortable, like when you're pregnant, if you're not comfortable showing that a person your boobs, then don't have them over in the first six weeks. Yeah. So it's that, their issue. If that if yeah. they aren't comfortable seeing a pair of breasts, then be it on them, but don't have them over and let them know, you know, I could potentially answer the door with my boobs hanging out. Barry, <laughs> are you okay with this? Because if you're not, yeah. don't risk it. Don't come over because my boobs will be out. And it's Constantly. funny, isn't it? Boobs are so 
different after having a babe in terms of like how you feel about them. Like I don't see my boobs as the boobs they were. I just see them mm-hmm. as like a vessel for feeding my baby. <laughs> like it's completely yeah. separated. Yeah, totally. There is nothing sexual to them at all. Even though no. they look amazing and like your partner's probably like, damn, shorty, those are looking so good. You're like, if you touch me, I'm liable to stab you with my fork. Um, but, oh, you know, to you. Yeah, I would wondered if it was just me that felt that way. So that's that's good to know because, yeah, I just feel completely disconnected. They're not sexual. Yeah. They are just like, they're big. Don't get me wrong. They're the biggest mm-hmm. they've ever been. But, mm. yep. Nope. They are yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um so if someone is wanting the you know services like yours or um support obviously you're in the Bay of Plenty region but how does someone go about finding a doula or you know a postpartum doula? I always say the best referral is word of mouth. Um, mm. knowing someone and, and as a doula that took a long time to build because yeah. I and in want of a better term I'm selling myself I'm selling my services so it was working with people um, you know and to, to start spreading the word about me and that I was actually really good it wasn't just you know mm. someone can have a really great Instagram but they're they're not walking in the talk so word of mm. mouth is is brilliant um, meeting with people first thinking of it like an interview like anytime I meet with a new family I always think um of it like a tinder situation like we both have to swipe in the whatever direction it is for yes um you know you've got to have your values aligned and they need to fit into your family and your style of living um are they experienced have they had their own children Uh, they don't have to have had their own children but you know, like what we talked about before, you do, um, you are sort of in a different club then when you've had your own children, you, you know, you know things yeah. that you didn't know beforehand. Um, and just see if there's a, like a connection before committing to them. Don't just say, oh, you know, I'm having, I don't know, Carrie the doula. I just randomly made that name up. Um, I'm having Carrie the doula because they've got 10,000 followers. Like if they're not your person, then, you know, don't commit to them. They've got to be your person. Um, mm. Yeah, word of mouth, looking at their websites, looking at um, testimonials from their clients and just going, oh, yeah, that would be someone I'd like listening to podcasts about other doulas and going, yes, that totally aligns mm. with what I'm all about. Um, it is mm. like doing your research. You're having that person in a really vulnerable space and time of your life, so you, you really do want to choose well. Um, there's mm. also a New Zealand doula website where um, you can go and you know we pay a registration fee to be part of that and you can look based in your area and um, just look up and just get a feel from the profiles like it's like find mm. my midwife type website um, and you oh, get yeah. a feel for if they're your type of person or if they're not and then you might go into the make an inquiry online start chatting online cool we'd like to meet up and see if you're the right fit and then from there maybe you'll engage after that perfect oh that yeah I think it's just good to know how you kind of go about it because again before having a baby I I didn't know what a doula was or what the services was and again probably a lot of my knowledge came from overseas and what I saw there but it is obviously very different 
here. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about your experience as a mother. Um, and you've got two babies, I'm sure, and you around babies constantly. So I'm sure you've got a lot of tips and tricks. But what what was your fourth trimester like with your children and how did your recovery from birth in that postpartum period look like? Um, with Jackson, my eldest boy, um, mm. I was young and I was I remember being really scared to ask questions. Like I didn't feel like I was old enough to ask like ask the questions um so I did a lot of things sort of from fear-based or from um just being told what to do and at that time that worked um because I didn't know any better with Sailor I had a quite a clear plan of what I wanted keeping in mind that Ricky um his only child is Sailor so I've been around babies all my life um and it's just something so innate in me but for him he's got nephews um, and a niece, um, but they he's never been, like, l- looking after them solo, which is where mm. the game changes. Um, so, yeah, I guess I, I planned my fourth trimester and how that would look. Um, and I also had lots of mum friends who were wanting to do all the things, and they sort of found it almost amusing that they'd, like, okay, we're inviting Sarah, but she's probably not going to come because I wouldn't commit to anything until mm. it was, like, 15 minutes before and I'm like yeah that sounds like a great idea but um I focus on sleep and not not the baby sleep my own sleep for the first Mm. year um making sure Mm. that I was getting enough sleep and if I had a rough night then I knew that day I was going to focus on sleep and so whenever someone was down for a nap I was down for a nap too um Oh, something I wanted more, but I, I I know a lot of people find it hard to, to be disciplined to do that, don't they? Yeah, totally. And they feel there's that FOMO. They're like, I'm missing out, or I've got other jobs to do. In mm. my head, I just compartmentalized it, and I was like, I don't care. Like, yeah. it, it does not matter in the big scheme of things. Another mm. thing that we do, um, and we still do it now, which is just it just shows that it works, is. Um, we do a power hour of cleaning. So on a Saturday morning before any of us go anywhere, we've got the list of jobs that need to be done in the house. And I usually let Ricky choose and very exciting job to choose. Um, but he gets to put his name beside or his initial beside the jobs that he's going to do. And we set the timer for an hour and mm-hmm. just blast some Spotify and get Sailor involved. And we just power hour clean for an hour. And then if it's not done after that, eh whatever doesn't matter love that you know what there's a playlist I listen to when I'm doing my housework on Spotify and it's called housework hits and it just plays all the absolute bangers and I usually just I'm enjoying myself so much by the end that I just keep going but um I I do love the idea of limiting it to an hour because you got to go live your life and have some fun as well like at the end of the day is anyone else really going to notice if you haven't mopped the floors or vacuumed that week? I don't know. Exactly. It just it just <laughs> doesn't matter. So we yeah. now that we're both sort of accustomed to that, um, you know, like the washing part, I, I'll, my job, one of my jobs is I do the washing, I hang it out, I bring it in. But in God's good name, I do not fold it. I hate folding <laughs> washing. It hurts yeah. my feelings. Yeah, worst job ever. So it yeah. literally piles up in the spare room. I think I'd say we're on to at least washing basket three. Um, but then on the weekend, as part of that, Ricky folds all the washing and puts all the washing away. And 
that's what works. So he doesn't keep up with it throughout the week, and that's his choice, Like, but it just gets piled into the spare room and then gets smashed out on the, within the power hour. And I always clean the bathrooms because I'm quite pedantic about it, and I have, mm. like, specific... Like, did you know that an old electric toothbrush is so good for cleaning the corners of your shower? Oh, I did not. There is a hot tip for you. Just make sure no one uses it again. Thinks, oh, so make sure there's no confusion. (laughs) No, totally. I put like duct tape around it so everyone knows it's my cleaning one. Um, Cleaning one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm a bit like you. Like the bathrooms is my domain. Like I don't want. Mm -hmm. I don't even. Luke to do it as a nice gesture to clean it like that I would rather clean it myself um (laughs) might have to get myself an electric toothbrush use it for a little bit and then pass it off to clean the showers great oh just in those corners and it's so satisfying when you're rinsing it off you're like I got you yeah (laughs) and now I sound so old and it's like I really need to find a new hobby or something Um, I'm like, this whole time I've been nodding my head. I'm like, I feel this. Yep. What would you say has been your hardest and most enjoyable season of motherhood to date? Hardest? Definitely toddlerhood. Not a fan. Not a fan at all. Some people, they just thrive and they love, like, the fact that their kids have sort of got their own personality. Um, Mm. They also develop a real massive sass and... um, Obviously, it's not from me. It's predictably from my father. But so Sailor, she was Miss Sassy Pants, and all she is. Um, But for everyone else, she's an absolute angel. So that's when um, our preschool really came into the fold. And we see preschool um, as part of our village. I don't, um, you know, my mum and dad live in Raglan. Ricky's mum is by herself. Ricky's dad passed away just a few years ago, and she's um, a little bit older. Um, All my sisters and my sister-in-laws all work full-time, so I don't have other people to call on for support. So preschool became that for us and Mm. really helped in in strategies. Um, And we have an amazing, um, her, her lead teacher, um, is called Shona and she is part of our family now. She has Sailor for us as a babysitter. Sailor's become part of her um, extended family. Um, she's an integral part of our village um, and that particularly came into play uh, when Sailor was a toddler. So, yeah, toddlerhood, not the biggest fan and mm. I really look to other people for help and support in regard to that. Give me yeah. five newborns over a toddler any day. Oh, it's funny because I had someone else um, who I spoke to say the same thing and I'm sitting here with my five-month-old thinking, oh, no, what's next? (laughs) And other people just love it and they just come into their own and that's their season. Um, For me, it's not. I Give me babies, give me teenagers. I love teenagers. Um, Really? Yeah, absolutely love them. They're, They're cool. I used to be a high school teacher. Um, uh, and I just think I understand how they tick. Yeah. And again, it's like anything. You build a relationship with them and they will walk on water for you. But mm. you break trust and it's it's gone. And mm. it takes a long time to rebuild it. But if they know that you believe in them, all they want to do is keep that. Um, yeah. They want to be understood and they want to be loved unconditionally. Um 
and yeah, they just they want to be heard. They mm. it's uh, they're on the brink of uh, t- like from childhood through to adulthood. It's such a crazy time for them, um, and I just think we need to actually stop and listen to our teenagers. Sometimes they've got so much wisdom, and mm. you know I I've learned. I've learned not just so much tech stuff, but just so many little tidbits of wisdom from Jackson. Um, yeah. Just because we've had such a, a close age gap as such, you know, like he, he is my mm. friend as well. Um, yeah. And it is very different uh, parenting an adult because you do still parent them when they're 22. Um, mm. You know, it's a different relationship, but he's still my son. And, you know, I still do give him advice and then parenting a four-year-old. Um, yeah. Jackson says it's the best contraception he's ever had um, <laughs> having a four-year-old sister so that's good to know I mean yeah I mean that's a good way, good way to <laughs> have that conversation without having that conversation <laughs> he's just like bro she's full on and I'm like I know I know she's full of noise <laughs> yeah. but as long as she's run out of energy like she's crashing at 6 30 at night and usually till 6 30 the next morning and then you've but, got your evening. Exactly. And that is, yeah, I really like that. I love having that evening to reconnect with Ricky again. And because mm. I people so much during the day, mm. sometimes I just like to like look like a piece of potato lying on the couch and just not do anything <laughs> and just watch something mind-numbing on Netflix. Read a book. I've just recently got back into reading and, and not talk to people because I do yeah. so much talking in the day. Oh, I can imagine. It's kind of like you need to go into your shell and just be be there and not have to talk. And I think yes. it's nice to sit in silence with someone. Like it's something I've noticed at the end of the day once Louie's in bed, Luke and I sit down on the couch and we have our evening, but quite often we don't even have the, the energy to talk to each other. And I was feeling totally. a bit guilty about it. And then I was like, but we're not unhappy we just literally just want to lie here next to each other and not talk because we're just tired and that's just that's just where we're at at the moment and we just watch something mind-numbing on tv or scroll on our phones and cuddle the dogs and that's about it that sounds perfect and that's yeah. exactly the season that you're in you're like this is what I've got capacity for awesome yeah. and when you've got a person that you can sit comfortably in silence with what a mm. freaking treat that is yeah. I think that's a sign of an amazing relationship, be it a friendship or a romantic relationship where you can mm. sit comfortably in silence. So true. Oh, yeah. No, I'm glad I'm glad you've said that because I do still have those guilty thoughts sometimes. I'm like, oh, we should be, like, making the most of this time. But, yeah, sometimes no. most of the time the tank's empty. The tank is empty. Just let yeah. it be. Um, there's no point forcing it. And the season's going to change. Like, this is the season that you're in at the moment. And mm. there'll come a time when these, you know, you might have another baby and then they grow up. And then you've mm. suddenly got time again. And you wish mm. for these days again. And these, you wish for these moments when, you know, they come and climb into your bed. And, mm. you know, just while you're in that season, just be in that season. You don't have to, you, you don't future trip into what's happening next. Just, just be in the current season that you're in. Yeah, such great advice. What is something you knew, what is something you wished you knew about babies or becoming a mum that you didn't know prior to having your babies and working in the space that you think would have been helpful to know earlier on? Breastfeeding is something that you learn. It's very Mm. rare that you 
can get your baby to latch, they know what to do and you know what to do. Mm. Um, I just expected it to be, I guess, in the movies or how I romanticised it, that it was going to be really simple and easy and straightforward, but it definitely wasn't. Um, mm. Yeah, I wish I'd given myself more space and time to learn how to breastfeed, particularly with Jackson. I think I, um, yeah, I had more education, obviously, around Sailor, but I just thought you put your baby on and, um, yeah, that was it. You were away, you were flying, but your breasts aren't two full jugs that are sitting in the fridge in which you pour into your baby. You know, your baby, it's like a, a moist cloth and your baby has to um, suckle from that cloth to, to bring the milk in and down. It's not just, they're not just sitting there waiting to be like vessels ready to be emptied. Um, you know, it's that, that whole supply and demand Mm. Is, is integral and I didn't realize that that's how things worked um, until obviously like working more in this space and understanding how breastfeeding works um, yeah I guess yeah that would probably be one of the biggest things and, and it hurts at first like mm. I don't know about you but I haven't had someone sucking on my nipples for at least eight hours a day <laughs> I mean if you have no judgment from me you do use your friend um, yeah. but I personally hadn't had my nipples sucked for that long and they hurt, and it took a while oh. for them to get used to that. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, I can tell you what we talk about now as mothers. I like, know. We're just like nipples getting sucked, sex. You know, like yeah. how was how is your vagina doing? No worries about asking it at all. Oh, that's like I caught up with a girlfriend this morning who I, you know, we, we're not like we haven't been girlfriends for a long time it's kind of like a new relationship from being mums and she was just oh sorry I had to go toilet because I kind of think I have a prolapse but I'm not sure and then we just started talking about this straight away and I'm like we are are so on the same page right now let's launch in and go there and like go there it's amazing (laughs) I just let babies strip away all of the formalities of conversation and you know you've told someone about your um your vaginal tear that you had before you've even exchanged names um, (laughs) within a coffee group and you're oh sorry what was your name oh Sarah sorry hi I'm Sarah yeah sorry (laughs) yeah oh yeah it's just funny because this literally happened to me this morning and we were yeah talking about prolapse before we even said like how was your summer that's just that's just how it is but that's way better chat (laughs) yeah I just think it's so nice to speak to someone and just be able to like sit there and nod your head because it all just resonates so much. Um, I'd like to finish off, and it's one that um, question I'm asking everyone I get on the podcast is one value that you have raised your children with. Um, I think it's really nice to think about this because we're all focused on like the baby, and that's cool, but like what we want to be as a parent as well is super important. And I'm sure. You know, you've you've raised a twenty two year old now, so you've probably got some some good ideas around this. Um, it's a really good question. The first thing that comes to mind, and I know it's something that I've I've said to to Jackson, and I'd like to say to Sailor, is being be the change you want to see in the world. Um, mm. You know, be the one that is the leader, the one that looks after the underdog. So, you know. Be, be the one that looks after someone that might not normally be looked after and, and whatever is the change that you want to see, but don't be afraid mm. to be the first one to, to take that leap. I really like that. And if someone is wanting to get in touch and, you know, have your support, what is the best way to go about contacting you? 
Um, so I've got a website, um, mm -hmm. I've got Instagram and then there's Facebook and I've got a cell phone and people can ring that number or they can text me. Um, yeah, it's it's all out there. Uh, I'm fine. Um, smoke signal usually will answer to that also. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it often starts as a casual conversation on Instagram, a lot of my clients, and then it goes to more, um, okay, cool, let's do this, and we make it more formal on email, and then go and visit them. But, yeah, of course, it's got to be the right fit, and you've got to have, like, people often say, oh, you know, you do a lot of things for free, as and I'll chat to people for free, but mm. of course I will. We need to have that relationship. Um, otherwise, yeah. there's just no point going any further if there's no, if there's no relationship. Yeah, that's really true. And what I'll do is um, in this episode when I post it, I will tag your Instagram account so people can can find you there. Um, thank you so much, Sarah. I've just been laughing and nodding my head along this whole time. I'm probably going to be reaching out to you for my next baby because I want all of the things you've just mentioned. I don't want any yeah. gifts. I want Sarah to come and bring me meals because it sounds delicious. Right. <laughs> um but yeah thank you so much for sharing about what you do it's awesome and just so nice for I guess all the parents out there to hear what's actually available in terms of support after their baby arrives and it's my pleasure it's been really choice talking to you and getting to know you better